0: what's up everybody welcome back to the show before we get into the content today i just want to make a quick mention today is a bit of an interesting one for me since i am coming off of a full week of silence of no talking and the backstory to that is that for a pretty long time now i've been losing my voice very often had a raspy voice very often and never really was able to get to the bottom of why that kept happening and recently a doctor actually found a little bump on one of my vocal cords and they were able to remove it surgically and following that, I was on strict orders to not speak, or yawn, or hum, or whisper, or anything of that nature for a full week, and that was very difficult. It was very eye-opening. It was an interesting experience. We a whole another episode actually could be done on uh, the ups and downs of that week, but that's not what we're going to be talking about today. But it was it was very 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 strange. And one of my like, big takeaways was like, God, we are so lucky, so so lucky that we live in 2023. I'm just thinking like. Even if I lived, I don't know, 50 years ago, I cannot imagine this procedure was was discovered, available, or safe in any matter. Because when you think about it, it's a pretty intricate thing. They're sticking a an, a some kind of knife deep down your throat to cut a bump that is, I don't know, the size of like a fly, even smaller than that, like maybe like the size of a gnat maybe. Well, no, nah, probably, probably bigger than that, between a gnat and a fly, but not very big, and uh going into your throat like there's so many unknowns like before that we knew about anatomy like it's uh it's amazing what science can do now and i'm saying 50 years ago but probably 20 years ago i I doubt this would have been available and it's important to take a minute to be thankful that we live in a time when so much is available to us now and we know so much that even a short time ago we did not so without further ado today's episode is about hacking your mind what in the world does that mean so I want to start with a premise and hopefully we can agree with this premise and then move forward. If we can't, then probably this won't be the episode for you. But I think this is fairly straightforward what I'm about to say, and here it is, is that experience largely shapes who we are and how we are different. So in other words, you and me are obviously different. We have different fears, we have different emotions, we have different things that, that makes us happy, different things that we avoid, different things that we go towards, different things that excite us, that scare us. Now while some of that is because our brains are wired differently and our our physiology is different, a large part, that's all we're going to say, a large part is because our experience is different. And I'm going to illustrate that with two examples. First example is, imagine we have two people, person A and person B. Person A develops a very severe gambling addiction at the age of 25 and never really recovers or maybe recovers very late in life, but it kind of steamrolls and wrecks their entire life. Person B never develops a gambling issue, goes into business, becomes very, very successful and makes a lot of money and seemingly has a pretty good life. Now, you might look at these two people and think that they're like incredibly different, like no similarity whatsoever, not even not even in the same ballpark. Now, let's rewind to when they were both 18. Let's imagine when they're both 18, when it became legal for them to buy a lottery ticket, they both went to the, drug, the corner store, bought a scratch-off ticket, and person A won, and person B lost. Now, one of the interesting things about gambling is that the the industry has to make it so that the odds are likely enough that you will win, that they hope that you win, especially in the beginning, so that you keep coming back. And then since they know that the math is in their favor, they know eventually you're going to lose. But it's actually much better for the gambling industry when a newbie who's never gambled before goes into casino or buys a lottery ticket and wins right away because then it gets hardwired into their brain that this is a valid and easy way to make money when in fact neither of those things are true. So imagine that after person A won the first scratch-off, bought more scratch-offs and had decent luck, like you know made some money, not like any big-time money, but I don't know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 500 bucks, and then started getting into other forms of gambling, casino gambling, slot machines, sports gambling, which now is a huge, huge industry in this country, and really the math catches up to them and they get screwed over. But by then it's too late there. The addiction is already planted and recovery in general. Addiction recoveries are, 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 uh, it's one of the, it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to recover from. A lot of therapists don't even deal with addiction because the, the recovery rates are so low. So, uh, they, yeah, let either they recover very late in life or they never recover. Whereas person B bought the same lottery ticket, lost, and really never, it never interested in them again. When he turned 20, when he was 23 and or 21, it was in college, and his friends say, Hey, let's go to the casino. He's like, Nah, I don't really care to gamble, you know, because his exposure to gambling is buying a $2 scratch off and losing. So they were had no interest in doing it. Now, this is just an example I'm using to illustrate with. It's very, Likely that like some of the develops again, it's not like as black and white like that or that there actually is a difference in their in their wiring and their brain makeup or uh, hereditary. It might be a history of addiction in their family. But what I'm just trying to illustrate is that it could be that these two people really are identical. They're the same person, but their lives get thrown on total different trajectories because of one experience that they had very early in their lives that were very different second example I'm going to give is with approaching girls. Imagine you have two guys, one of them, person A, has a lousy, lousy dating life and guy B has an awesome dating life and we go and we interview these two people and we find out that person A, uh, we say like, you know, tell us about your dating life. He's like, yeah, like I just really haven't gotten results, haven't really been able to meet any woman. And we say like, well, do you ever go approach women? Do you ever talk? He's like, nah, I don't really do that. We find out why and we find out that. When he was 16, he approached his crush in high school and she totally rejected him in a very embarrassing way. And he never tried to approach another girl again because he was so shattered by that experience. And that really hindered his dating life. And then guy B, we ask him, we'll take us back. He's like, well, yeah, it really was never hard for me. You know, I meet a lot of girls, a lot of high quality girls. It's kind of easy for me to talk to them. It's not like difficult for me. I'm not afraid. And it just, it just, it's easy. And it was never like, he doesn't even realize why it's a challenge. Like, yeah, it's really no, not difficult. And we go back and we say, and we, we find out like what his history is and the first girl he approached when he was 16 in high school it was awesome it was so smooth and she was into him and it was like so easy and it totally boosted his confidence and then like every time after that like yeah he's been rejected before but he had he had a few wins very early on that shaped his view of what it is to approach a girl and therefore it never really became a difficult thing for him but imagine if these two people are like they're the exact same person like there's literally no difference between them they grew up up to the age of 16 the same way. They're, they're clones. They are psychologically, physiologically are wired the same exact way, but yet got thrown on a totally different trajectory because of a very early experience they had in life that really left an imprint on them. So the, the premise of this episode is that imagine if we could remove experience while keeping your skills. So imagine like you can totally like forget everything that you ever did, ever failed in, ever succeeded in, but you keep all your skills. So you still know how to speak. You still know how to cook. You still know how to do your job, but you don't remember any failure you've had in the past or any success. Now, what we're going to focus on is failure. We're going to focus on, imagine if you could remove those memories of failure. Now, you're probably saying like, what? Do you remove memories of like how that's not possible. How, like how, and why would I even want to do that? Like, isn't it good to remember things? I would say, yeah, those are, Valid points. And what I want to also disclaim is that this episode is not an instructional course on how any of this could be done. This is an idea that I want to plant and talk about and at the end I'm going to give some suggestions of further ways to explore this but the thing is I can't really tell you how this uh, step-by-step this gets applied because to be honest I'm not sure myself and I'm still figuring it out but I do very strongly believe that the keys to finding success and winning the battle in your mind which I think is many times where the battle needs to be won or is currently being lost, I think the keys to that really lies in this topic. So we're going to apply this, hacking your mind, in two ways. The first way I'm going to loosely call reframing, although that word has some other definitions. We'll call it reframing. And what I mean by that is choose. Imagine if you could choose what you focus on and ultimately choose what you believe. Now, this to some people is a new concept because most people go through life with the impression that like their beliefs are they don't really choose what they believe. Like they witness things, they see things, and that's really what they—that's really what they believe. One of my uh, one of my favorite podcasts that I that I've listened to a lot uh, called the Unapologetic Man, hosted by Mark. Singh, he says all the time, belief systems are BS. They're bullshit. They're not true. It's totally not true what you believe. Now, what he means by this is that like some people have a overarching belief in their life that I'm a loser and I always screw up. Now let's analyze that. Let's analyze this person's life who oh who who has this mantra in their mind that they're a loser and they always screw up. Well, I mean. Let's say for myself, like I definitely have been a loser for some of my life or have acted like a loser or have screwed up more times than I can count, but there have also been times, days, time periods where I was a champion. I was awesome and I love how I felt, acted, performed, and I was a total winner, right? So when we try to get to like what's the truth, are you a winner or are you a loser? The truth is neither of those things are true. Everyone is basically somewhere in the middle. We spoke about this in the, in the first episode just about nuance where like, You know, no one's really a loser and no one's really a winner, but some people are very close to, much more close to defining themselves as, as a winner and some people are closer to being a loser, but the truth is you, in a sense, you can choose what you want to believe because the truth is either way, you're wrong. It's not true. It's BS. It's not true. If you believe that you're a loser, I guarantee you, I can point to times in your life where you are not a loser and where you did not screw up and where you were awesome. But you either those happened later in life, they were too sparse, or you just simply choose either consciously or subconsciously not to focus on them, and therefore you considered yourself a loser. And the same thing goes, by the way, if someone thinks that they're a winner and they, they're awesome, let's say to a healthy level, that they really think that they're, they're, they're a prize, that they really think that they're a winner. I can point to times in their lives where they're lost and they were a loser and they did screw up. right? So the truth is what, what they believe, even though there it's positive, it's not really the full truth. But it's what they choose to believe, what they choose to focus on. And ultimately, because this is the nature of belief systems, as Mark Singh would say, wouldn't it be beneficial if you chose ones that work for you? Now, this is only to the point of like what in the bounds of reality, right? So if you like, I don't know, if I would choose to think that I could be a quarterback for the Jets, maybe I could because they are awful and seems like no one could play quarterback for the Jets, that would be against the rules of reality. I, I would not know how to, and like, even if I believe that I can, that's just simply not true. But with things like this of like what you believe about yourself, how you define yourself, how you identify, many of these things are not set in stone. They're not black and white, and the tr- nothing, n- no statement that you can really say about yourself is fully true. So wouldn't it be beneficial to choose what it is that you believe? Uh, I'm going to give another example that's very different and this is going to ruffle some feathers but I'm going to say it anyway because this is what I think. Anti-Semitism. Now I know now this is a very touchy subject with with what's happening in the Middle East with Israel, Hamas Um, but like here's what I think in general the anti-Semitism does exist. Obviously it exists. There are prejudices that exist against Jews, against blacks, against Asians, against a lot of uh, I guess let's say minorities but there are people that look after it. So like pre-October 7th, let's just say, there are people that choose to find the instances that they could define as anti-se- anti-Semitism, and then they scream it from the rooftops. are like, oh my gosh, like look look at the anti-Semitism. You know, we need to do... Now, again, th- th- this is, there's a lot of nuance here because if there is an issue, if we if we notice an issue of anti-Semitism in the world and we believe we can change it, then it's, it, it's incumbent on us to be active and to try to change that. What I'm saying, though, is that if... I go through my life, and there are experiences where, like, I feel maybe people were not so nice to me, or, or I don't know, didn't like me at work, or a cop pulled me over and was mean to me, and I think it's because I'm Jewish. Then that may or may not be true. There's no ultimately. There's no way to know for sure. At least, like in my instance, where like they're kind of petty, they're light things, but. There are people that, like, choose to believe that everything, like a Jew, for instance, everything that happens to them is an act of anti-Semitism. That's simply not true. I'm not saying all of it isn't, but not all of it is either. And you can choose to view the world as a really nasty, awful place where, like, everyone's out to get you and everyone hates you. You can also choose to view the world as a beautiful place where everyone loves you and uh, you're awesome. Now, again, the truth is... Somewhere in the middle, there are there is anti-Semitism out there. Not everything that bad happens to you if you're a Jew is anti-Semitism. Same thing if you're black, Asian, or any other minority, it doesn't matter to me. But the thing is, I would choose, if I could, I would choose to believe that the world overall is a good place. Overall, there's a lot of good in the world, and there's a lot of beauty and good people in the world. And yeah, there are instances of anti-Semitism, but I'm not going to choose that as like the thing that I focus on, and I'm not going to interpret every bad thing that happens to me through that lens. So this is just another example of an idea where you can choose the belief that works best for you because the truth, whatever you choose to believe, that the world is evil and cold and, and and nasty or that the world is butterflies and rainbows and everyone loves you, neither of those are really true. The truth is somewhere in the middle and it would be better for you to choose a belief that, that, that works best for you and that gives you the outlook on the world that will help you be the most successful. Now, for people like myself that are kind of more on the logical side, this concept was always a little bit hard for me because it's like, how can you say that the even as it pertains to my experience and my past, how can you say that, well, I can choose what to believe in? belief systems are BS. Like, not really true. Like, my past is what my past is. Like, I what I can choose what my past is. Like, it, it already happened. Like, it's already there. That's something I always struggled with. And Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot in 12 Rules for Life, that you're version of reality of like what actually happened your recollection your memory of an intera- of an interaction of a failure of a success of really anything that happened in the past is not the whole truth it's a version of reality that you viewed through your own lens based on your further past and further experiences and what you choose to focus on and what's important to you you know and a lot of that is overlooked an example of this is that I don't really notice what people's eye colors are most of my friends I probably cannot tell you what what eye color I don't maybe. I can't even tell you if they wear, if they wear glasses because it's just not something I notice. But I might notice, I don't know, maybe I notice if like they have big biceps or I might notice their hair, um, their facial hair, like I don't know, certain things like might just stand out to me, just things that I notice in other people, certain things I don't. So like my impression of anyone I meet is not the whole truth of who they are. It's only the things that I either consciously or subconsciously chose to pay attention to. And a good example of this is the idea in psychology called inattentional blindness, also known as selective attention. And if you've never heard of this idea, I recommend going to YouTube right now and searching selective attention test. I'll put the link in the description too because I'm about to ruin what the experiment is. So here's your last chance to go to YouTube and look it up. But what basically happens is, is that there is a video of three people or a few people um, wearing different colored shirts, some people wear white, some people are wearing black, and the video says count how many times the white team passes the ball. And essentially, it's kind of like those little games that they show at halftime or during commercial breaks at, at basketball or football games, where it's like the, the everyone's like moving around very quickly, and each team is passing the ball to people on their team, and the video asks you to count how many times the white team passes it to each other. And at the end, it asks you how many, and it says, I think it's like 13. And most people get it right. It's not that hard to track, but it does take a little bit of attention. And then it says, But did you notice the ape that walked through the court in the middle? And you're like, What does that mean? And then it shows it to you again. And in the middle of the video, someone dressed as a gorilla moon dances through the court as you're looking at these people pass the ball through uh, to pass the ball to each other. And moon walks through the court. And I did not notice the ape. Most people don't. I assume some people do. But the idea is that, like, since the video told you to pay attention to how many times the white team passes the ball to each other, most people don't notice anything else because you have a task. You're counting something, you're counting an event that happens, and you don't notice other things that happen because your mind is already focusing on something else. So this is, I think, a paradigm for how how reality is, that we go through our day, we go through our life, and we have certain takeaways from reaction from interactions from experiences from hanging out with our friends from work from dating from whatever it is but we don't remember everything like certain things we remember because they're meaningful to us in some way or another certain things we remember as things that are not meaningful and certain things we totally forget and certain things just never really resonate with us and certain things we don't notice because they're not stuff that are constantly on our mind there's a lot of different reasons why certain things do not get processed and kind of go right through our minds and right out the other side and we don't really even recall that thing or it doesn't strike a chord in us. So this is just like a good example of kind of like to be humble and be like my version of what happened or the past is not the whole truth. It's part of the truth, but two people could experience the same thing and tell it very differently and neither of them are necessarily lying. Sometimes, you know, things are at odds, but like the point is that your version of your of your past, of your experience is not the whole truth. And therefore, it shouldn't be treated as the whole truth. And to bring this full circle, the idea of reframing is that if we could, let's go back to the addiction, uh, gambling addiction for, for a second. If we could, let's say, go into the gambler's mind and carve out that experience, early life of buying the lottery ticket or even carve out all the gambling experience, then they wouldn't be gambler anymore. Now, some people are going to get mad and say, "What well, are you saying that this is a way to cure addiction? No, I'm not saying that at all. Like I said before, I, this is an idea that I want to talk about and I don't. Uh, to be honest, I don't exactly know how it needs to be implement, implemented in order for it to work, and I'm not saying it could be used to solve addictions because that is something I know very, very little about, and I'm not going to make a statement like that because it's probably not true. But what I do want to say is that I do believe that for certain things, our the battle is being lost in our mind. It's not really being lost in, in, in the world. It's being lost in our minds. We don't believe that we can do something because we failed at it at a certain point, and then we just keep doing the same thing because or we keep avoiding the same thing or failing at the same thing because we believe we're going to fail at it and we manifest that in the world. We fulfill that prophecy because we believe that that's really what's going to happen and that belief might be a stupid thing that happened at a very young age that there's really no reason why we have to be good or bad at something because of that. It's just one time we failed and maybe we keep failing or keep avoiding because of that one thing that happened so long ago. So the idea of reframing is if if we can choose instead to focus on the times that we were good at something, good days we had, times that we felt good and did positive things and won and achieved and focus on those things and or cutting out the times that we failed and choosing to not focus on that and not include that as part of our past, then I think that we're going to be set up better for success and those beliefs and that personal history is more conducive to being successful as a person. And like I said before, a a year ago, I would have, really had a hard time with this kind of be like what do you mean how can i choose what to focus on like my past is my past and what i'm responding to that is saying no it's not true the version of your past right now in your mind is not the full truth you are probably choosing without knowing it choosing to focus on you're choosing to focus on certain things that for some reason are meaningful and sometimes that's over overly neg- overly negative sometimes overly positive i feel like most of the time it's overly negative uh, but the fact of the matter is your your like opinion about like what you're good at and things that you failed at in the past or like things that you are scared to do because of an experience like that's largely shaped on certain experiences that are not the entire truth. And if we can instead somehow figure out a way to choose what our past is and focus on certain things and cut out other things, we'll be better suited to be successful. And again, there's a reason why we 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 form these habits based on the past. Like on a very simple level, if you ever put your hand on an oven and it's hot, and you 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 uh, recoil very quickly, that's a good thing. That's there to protect you, and you shouldn't forget that because it's a good you know the, the, it's 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 good to be careful around a fire, to be careful around dangerous things. So if you ever had an experience where I don't know maybe you almost got hit by a car, or like you tripped or whatever, now like you're cautious about something, that's a good thing. Your your mind is telling you to watch out because this thing might be dangerous, but sometimes it could be conducive and it could be good and help you be more successful if we shape and 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 reframe what our past is. The second way I think that this can be applied, and this is a little bit more extreme, so bear with me. If you don't agree, that's totally fine. This is the idea of faking it. So let's go back to dating for another example, because I think that this really brings out this idea very, very prominently. I think in dating in general, guys, girls, doesn't really matter. I feel like in general, if you believe that you are the prize to a healthy level, not like to a not to an inflative sense of ego but like you, you really believe that you are a prize and that someone would be lucky to have you I do think you'll do better in dating I think that's that's pretty pretty obvious I don't think that's such a stretch so if you if you have positive beliefs about yourself you will manifest that in your actions in your tonality in your conversations um, how you conduct yourself how you how you go about meeting people and that overall will be successful for you now the problem is that a lot of people don't believe that they're the prize so they're like well you know maybe if I did, It's like a snowball. It's like the people that believe that they're the prize, they have better results in dating. People that don't have poor results, and that makes them have further poor results. So it's like, well, how can I change? If I really ultimately don't believe I'm the prize, how can I just choose to? Now, here's where it gets a little bit, a little bit maybe controversial. But what I would say is that I think that you could choose to believe you're the prize even though you're not. But, and this is a very, very important qualifier, is that it's imperative that you still do the work. To becoming someone that you would consider being a prize so whether that's going to the gym making money working on your style your appearance working on your personality working on your social skills working on your hobbies and your extracurriculars making yourself a more interesting working on yourself trying to love yourself more be more at peace with who you are like all these things that make yourself a much better mating prospect or dating prospect those things Are imperative so like if you just say I'm the prize and there are people that do this that they they have this 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 they delude themselves into thinking that they're into thinking that they are the prize whereas like they clearly need to lose weight but they tell themselves like no like I love myself just the way I am and uh, yeah everything's totally fine I'm beautiful the way I am and I'm the prize just the way I am and that to me is kind of stupid because it's like no you're not no you're not you There is an improvement that you need to make really for yourself, but definitely for dating also like it's better to be in good shape, like you're more attractive that way, right? So wouldn't it behoove you for for even just for yourself to get into shape? So if you do not do the work, if you just have this deluded sense that you are the prize, but you do not do what the work that's necessary to actually be a prize, then you are going down a very, very dangerous path. And I don't think you're going to like what you find at the end of the tunnel. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that, you honestly, like you're lying to yourself. You're saying that you're the prize, even though you don't believe it. And you meditate on this point that you're the prize, even though you know it's not true. In the meantime, between now and however long it takes you to get there, now the truth is you never really get there. You know, life—it's a lifelong journey of always bettering yourself as a person. So it's like you never get there. But the time between now and the time between you make significant progress to the point where you can say, like, yeah, I actually am a prize there's going to be some time in the middle there and I think that your dating success in that interim time is going to be a lot better if you have the belief that you're the prize even though maybe you're not. And by the way, something that just occurred to me is that maybe you can even tell yourself that you're the prize with evidence that I am doing the work even though I might not be the finished product yet or have the figure yet that I want or have the money yet that I want or have the social um, you know, skills or like hobbies that I want yet. Like, if I'm working on it though, then That in and of itself is a good thing. and I'm the prize because that that's another level of nuance. I feel like you can have there to actually be real to yourself. But I'm saying even if it takes a lie to tell yourself you're the prize when you know that you're not, it still could work as long as you do the work and eventually get there in reality. So those are two ways I think that this idea of hacking your mind could be helpful, reframing and essentially lying to yourself, fake it till you make it. If this topic resonated with you, um, again, this is not an instructional episode on like how to do this is just an idea that I want to plant and put out there and further discussion about it if you if this idea resonates with you and appeals to you things that I'd recommend looking into are meditation, hypnosis, the idea of reframing in general. There is a field of psychology that's not really an academic subject but people that are into it swear by it called neuro-linguistic programming NLP that's very into what's going on in your subconscious and unconscious minds and I'd recommend also looking into that if you if this topic resonated with you. I think the 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 way that this could be done, like how do you? Because the, the question is that like even if you agree, like agree with what I'm saying, you're like Aaron, I'm Like I hear what you're saying. Like how do I actually reframe and, and and choose what to focus on and choose what to believe? Again, I don't know what the answer is, but I think meditation is one possible way to get there. Because meditation is the idea, or at least one form of meditation is you're really accessing the the uh, the unconscious flow that's going on in your brain that you're not really aware of. Hypnosis, that's that's literally, I mean, that's the in- entire thing, is that you're meant to induce a transient state where you can access parts of yourself that aren't accessible day to day, going to work, waking up, going to sleep, riding your bike, because there it's your conscious mind and your unconscious mind is a lot more powerful. So those are ways like I would recommend exploring, but again, this is a journey, I don't, maybe in a 10 years, I'll, have, uh, I'll, I'll do another episode and I'll, like experience like how this can actually be done. But those are topics that I recommend looking into in the meantime. And as we reach the close of our episode, we will close with the following quote. Sometimes a hypocrite is nothing more than a man in the process of change. Brandon Sanderson. Thank you everyone again for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. Please don't forget to tune in again next time. This is the Always Nuance Podcast. Talk to you all later.